Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. It's an exciting day. Santa's coming tonight. Oh, man. So since that's all anyone can think about, I'm sure, we figured we'd have an episode devoted to Santa. Nice. And um, there's a lot of philosophical issues that, that come up. I think we'll avoid the sort of well-covered, how does he get around the whole planet and just so many hours and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, instead, and, let's talk about what Santa's like. Yeah, good metaphysics, perhaps some good ethics. So a lot of our knowledge of Santa's traits come from various holiday songs about Santa. Uh, so I, I, I focused in on a number in particular when I was thinking about what to talk about today. So I wanted to start with these claims. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. So what can we infer about the properties of Santa uh, based on those two considerations? So one that I was thinking is potentially Santa is omnipresent. Okay, so omnipresent means everywhere. All places. Everywhere at once. All right? at once, yeah. Um, and, and that way, if, if Santa is everywhere at once, he'd be able to observe whether any given child at any place in the world is sleeping or awake. Mm-hmm. But then I think pretty clearly this isn't the correct interpretation because Santa is a, a finite dude. He's, he's an embodied individual. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, well, what, it's, what if he's got really good vision like an eagle or something? And he's also got eyes like flies that, that <laughs> you know, so okay. he's got like eight, eight billion. You know, that would be a lot of eyes. To eight, see. eight billion retinas in, in each eye. And, and somehow. And see really far. But yeah, like a really. Look all the way around, around the other side of the globe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't, you know, when we, when we see Santa, he doesn't appear to have fly eyes. So I think we can rule that one out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another question we can ask is whether Santa is actually omniscient. Okay, so omniscient means means knows everything so you've mm-hmm. a more precise formulation would be something like for every proposition santa knows whether that proposition is true or false mm-hmm. and then we could add the, the belief requirement that in the the cases of the ones where he knows that they're true he also believes that they're true yeah so this it it seems as if this isn't quite the right interpretation because given the information that we have about Santa, we're not in a position to conclude that, say, um, Santa knows the precise weight of a rock on the moon, right? I mean, there's Mm -hmm. no... It seems like if if Santa knows everything about uh, the world, what we have reason to believe is that he knows everything about a limited domain, a mm-hmm. limited, it's his, his omniscience, if we even want to still call it that, is right. limited in scope. Right. And, and in fact, the, the, within the things that are, you know, within the general purview of Santa's knowledge, we can further limit, right? I mean, there's a reason why you have to um, write a letter to the North Pole and oh, say, I want this or that, or, or show up at the mall and, you know, and say, I, I want a Red Ryder BB gun or whatever it is that you <laughs> desire. Um, right, until the information gets conveyed to Santa via the proper channels, he doesn't even know that. So it's not like you can say, oh, Santa knows everything about what toys, you know, people in Bloxy, Mississippi desire, right? Right. Uh, but, and 
And yet, so that's, that is a key element. And it may be, but I, but I wonder if that's just about getting our kids involved in the process. Uh, because I, I never went to see mall Santas, or I, I don't remember. I have kind of a notoriously bad memory about that kind of stuff. But I don't ever remember seeing mall Santas. <clears throat> and on many occasions, I didn't write letters. Uh, and Santa still somehow always knew what I wanted for Christmas. And, and, didn't, and there are lots of movies that turn out that way, that, right? Santa yeah, didn't receive the letter. The, the child is so downhearted because the child got to the post office too late and mm-hmm. wasn't able to mail the letter to Santa, and yet Santa knew in his secret Santa heart what the child wanted for Christmas. Perhaps some Christmas wishes are just louder than others. <laughs> and then Santa would have this, this hearing that sort of corresponds to the eagle fly combo vision <laughs> thing. Yeah, you're, My you're, picture of Santa is starting to look more and more disturbing based on your fly imagery. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so, but we do have some reason based on our knowledge of Santa's traits to think that he knows everything about human behavior and human missteps and so forth and, and human generosity. Um, so I, I think too, it's what we'd have to say about Santa's knowledge in this domain is that he knows two different sets of facts. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows the, the moral facts. So he knows the facts about what behavior actually constitutes right behavior. And he knows uh, what, constitutes wrong behavior, but he'd have to also know the empirical facts that, mm-hmm. as you put it when we discussed this, would make would serve as truth makers for those moral facts. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it is about the world that renders certain moral facts true, um, at least mm-hmm. as far as the, the domain of things that Santa knows goes, he would need to know those things. So if, if Timmy dips uh, Sally's pigtail into the inkwell... Uh, Santa would have to know both that Timmy did that mm-hmm. and that it was wrong for Timmy to do that. Yeah. So the, right. I mean, for part of knowing it's wrong would be knowing something like um, what, what was the, the girl's name? Sally. Sally. That, that Sally didn't deserve it. Um, <laughs> as, as someone who oh, back in the '60s dipped a lot of pigtails in, in inkwells, <laughs> I can tell you some percentage of those people had it coming, and they and they got off easy. <laughs> Um, so, well, and, and then related to that, in order for Santa to know the moral facts, uh, we'd have to know what those moral facts are. So, and, and to even get that far, we'd have to uh, stipulate that there are such things as objective moral facts mm-hmm. and that morality isn't relative. It could be the case that Santa understands how relativism works. So say say that morality is in fact culturally relative mm-hmm. then santa as he goes across the globe delivering presents he's like well hey i'm in i'm in asia now so i mm-hmm. need to employ the asian moral standards or right when you know, hovering above you, rome do as do the romans, romans do, do. <laughs> <laughs> right um but I'll, i mean i think it's more likely that uh, that morality is objective right and, and that would also there. rule out the possibility that, that santa himself as a, a relativist, right? Um, if he's constantly going against his own set of values to accommodate the values of other cultures, he's not behaving in a way that, that's consistent with the admonitions of relativism. Okay. Um, 
strictly speaking, you can make that work, right? Uh-huh. But, um, you know, if, if I'm a relativist um, and say I'm there in the North Pole, um, I should be performing North Pole-esque actions, even if that relativism would be such that when I got to France, I behaved in, in a French way. Mm-hmm. There'd, there'd be a big disconnect between the things produced in the North Pole for distribution in Iceland mm-hmm. and the things that actually you know, ought to be distributed in Iceland if Icelandic relativism is true. So just maybe we need to just say a sentence or two. I think uh, context makes it fairly clear. But relativism is the view that what's right or wrong in a given culture is determined by the majority view of that culture. Right, right. So... Uh, There's also logistical problems if, if Santa's making gifts all year long and cultural values are dynamic. It, it seems like the work done in January, February, March each year... Yeah, could get screwed up. But, but maybe that's the problem. Maybe he just starts making stuff and then all of a sudden, you know, one country says, you know, we don't like Kinder Eggs. That's it. It's like, Santa's like, darn, you know, and, he's <laughs> like, and then the elves eat them and, you know, and then they choke on the toys or whatever happens with, with you know, the you badness of Kinder Eggs. You can't choke on those toys. Right. Anyway, I, I think you can also rule out that Santa is a subject. We might not be able to rule out relativism, but we, we can, I think, rule out subjectivism, mm-hmm. right? Because so subjectivism is the view that there really are no uh, right or wrong answers about morality and that judgments, ethical judgments, amount to nothing more than expressions of attitude or sentiment or taste. Yeah, if I say this is right or this is wrong, I'm essentially just saying I feel boo or yay or whatever. And then essentially everybody gets toys rather than coal because they're all just employing their own set of standards and mm-hmm. and, and Santa isn't in a position to judge them and, uh, because there's no one standard that we can use to to assess everyone's behavior. Right. But clearly... The, the, the coal Santa... industry would be out of business. <laughs> okay, well, let's make that work. Moral subjectivism <laughs> were, were true. Yeah. So, uh, so, so let's work on the assumption here for a moment then that Santa is an objectivist about morality, mm-hmm. meaning that he thinks that there is a single set of standards that apply for all people at all times. Right. Universal moral truths, universal moral codes. So then what kind of moral theory do we think Santa would be employing? Well, one strategy is to say Santa is a consequentialist. Mm -hmm. So consequentialists think that the moral worth of actions um, is determined by the outcome or the consequences of those actions and nothing else. It's the only morally relevant factor. So Santa can see uh, when when a child performs an action, what the consequences of those actions are going to, that action is going to be. And then determines whether that child is going to get toys or whether they're going to get coal as a result. So if the if the if Santa can determine that Sally will be sad when maybe she has to chop off some of her hair as the result of damage from from the ink well and that's going to cause her parents sadness and it's just going to be a big snowball mm-hmm. of sadness, uh, well then Timmy's getting coal. Right, or Sally's, even though she's five, suddenly going kind of alt and likes the black tips at the end of her pigtails, <laughs> but her mother doesn't, and yeah. still, Timmy's getting cold. Um, so, yeah, the, the consequentialist move is a good one for Santa, um, you know, just initially, um, in that it solves one sort of set of worries, right? So um, we hear, you know, Santa's critics and naysayers um, constantly referring to the Rudolph story. Right, so the other reindeer um, were, were pretty, um, you know, 
verbally abusive towards Rudolph, maybe even physically abusive. I, I, don't, I don't know the whole <laughs> Seems story. Seems like it. Seems like it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and they, they mistreated him for years. And Rudolph, you know, felt felt horrible. I mean, he, he ran away from home. He went to the island of Lost Toys or Misfit, Misfit toys, toys or whatever it was. He, you know, he started hanging out with, um, you know, Sasquatch-type characters. Santa, you know, presumably knew all this was going on, right, under his roof there in the North Pole. Um, and allowed it to happen for years, right? And so that's a that's a real tell um, against Santa. However, um, if one takes a consequentialist approach, and you know you you put in the rest of the details of the story, and you say something like, "But Rudolph needed to develop his character and um, go through these sort of experiences to have the strength to do you know what he did that night when you know there was there was so much." Um, fog and such a heavy storm that, you know, there was no way Santa was going to make it all the way around the, the planet um, with without his shiny nose, um, then we can say that, you know, Santa's allowing that to happen was morally good because Christmas was saved one year, right? Um, and the other reindeer all learned a lesson. They all came to love Rudolph. Rudolph, he's even more adored than he would have been had none of this happened. Um, and you might even say the other reindeer were on consequentialist grounds right to do it. Um, because Rudolph took one for the, the team, and the team being the whole world, um, for a few years, and in a pretty ugly way, admittedly, um, we're all much better off. So if Santa's a consequentialist, um, the, the, the Rudolph criticism doesn't stick. Okay, but then the way that he punishes children would turn out to be pretty strange. Because it, it would really have to do the punishment that, in the form of coal that he meets out, would uh, be dependent not on concrete actions, right? Uh, in the sense that you could say you did something wrong in itself, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm giving you coal, but rather you couldn't have known this. But your actions led to either positive or negative consequences, and that's why I gave you what I gave you. Yeah. And we yeah, don't yeah. tend to think of it that way. We tend to think Timmy or Billy or whoever it was dipped the hair in the inkwell, mm-hmm. getting coal, no matter how it turns out. Right, right, um, yeah. Even if Sally, with the cool tips in her hair, starts a fashion craze, becomes an international celebrity, and you know, virtue of that one act. Um, you know, lives the, the life of Riley from that moment on, right? Um, yeah, so there, there's that. Um, and then just related, it, it, the way things go um, doesn't seem to correspond with a consequentialist ethic, right? So you have people that had bad intentions, brought about good results, but in virtue of their bad intentions, got cold. Got cold. Yeah. There are people with good intentions that yielded bad results, and sometimes in those cases that you know, the people would say, boy, you shouldn't have done it. It's like, but I was trying to do good. And he's like, yeah, still so- got coal. I mean, it's just, they, 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 the coal distribution is, does not line up nicely at all with bad consequences only. And it, I think that's because it, it, this highlights that consequential is the wrong, consequentialism is the wrong mechanism to employ here. It doesn't seem like what Santa's doing. And I think this is in part, um, because, uh, the the assessment, I mean, consequentialism is a view about the moral badness, the moral rightness or wrongness of actions. 
Um, it's not necessarily about the moral character of people. So you could you might think that the uh, the question of whether an action is morally wrong or not, um, or, or excuse me, morally bad, mm-hmm. um, is determined by the consequences, but that that judgment comes apart from the judgment of the character of the individual. And it really does look like Santa cares more about the character of the individual in terms of um, how he allocates toys and coal. Right, and in fact, if we go to the lyrics, he's going to find out who's naughty or nice, right? So naughty and nice... Oh, right, right, right. Is the the sort of determining factor not not who performed... consequences your actions are going to be Who performed good acts and bad acts. Yeah, we're we're looking at characters. Right. Um, So you might think then, we had some conversation here about intentions, you might think that we could understand Santa as being a deontologist. Mm -hmm. Uh, So according to deontology, the moral status of an action is determined by the intentions of the person... uh, Performing the action. So that, that might be plausible. Um, but then, so we talked earlier about how Santa would have to know um, a set of moral facts and a set of empirical facts. Uh, the reason why deontology seems kind of problematic as the theory that Santa is operating under is that it seems like it's a violation of privacy. Yeah. Right. So, so Santa actually gets to get in our heads and mm-hmm. uh, determine and he, what our intentions are. And he does it when we're sleeping. He does it when we're awake. Right. It's yeah. A, and 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 without first obtaining our consent. Mm-hmm. Um, Santa's a mind reader, uh, and we haven't given him consent to read our minds. Um, I have to sign a consent form. You know, when I have my doctor give me a shot or something, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and yet yeah. here's this person that knows my Cops. entire psychological makeup at any given moment. Cops need a warrant to mm-hmm. do, a, you know, or consent to do, say, a lie detector test or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, to even get it, the, the, you know, we tend to think that our, our thoughts are inherently private things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh Right, right. And it's not a special case, right? So the, the police can come busting in your house without a warrant under certain circumstances if, you know, they've good reason to think a crime's being committed or mm-hmm. someone's in great danger, mm-hmm. right? But Santa's just doling out the coal or the, the gifts, right? It's, there's no, it's not like we're protecting society. Yeah, I, you um, know, and, um, you know, even if, even if that added something to the mix, if, if the presents came on December 28th, um, which you know often happens with the the ones that you know parents give to their kids because there's a you know backlog at Walmart.com or something <laughs> like that. Everybody'd be fine, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's um, the modern predicament. So, but I would say that so even though it seems like kind of a privacy or consent violation uh, to look inside someone's head, um, it also seems like he couldn't make accurate judgments about the moral status of actions without doing that. So um, let's say that uh, we'll go back to Timmy dipping Sally's hair in the inkwell. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say that let's take two cases. One case in which Timmy is really experiencing some problems at home Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, He's he comes to school, you know, he's being mistreated or something, and he comes to school with a bunch of pent-up anxiety that he acts out on, and maybe he's pretty young and doesn't mm-hmm. really know how to um, 
how to deal with his anxiety or frustrations in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And so he does this to Sally. Uh, case two, Timmy's got a perfectly loving, happy home life. He just kind of feels like doing something mean. Mm-hmm. Like those two cases seem to be significantly different. And so Santa, in order to make a really accurate judgment about the moral status of Timmy's actions, Santa would have to know the relevant mitigating factors, I would think. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, this might be, you know, part of knowing all the the empirical facts, right, mm-hmm. that, that we talked about that are, you know, turn out to be sort of moral fact truth makers um, and so forth. Um, but that's going to involve sort of further privacy violations. Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining a third kind of case where somebody in confidence says to Timmy, um, truthfully and accurately, there's a ticking time bomb into the city and it's going to go off at midnight if you don't, um, you know, dip someone's hair in, in ink and, in fact, make it Sally. And, um, and and Timmy really doesn't want to do it, but he thinks, okay, I better. And, and yet he's sworn to secrecy. So, you know, if he reveals why he did it, the city blows up anyway, right? And um, Seems like Timmy deserves a toy. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I, let's all just take a moment to thank Timmy for, for his good deed. I'm pretty sure that's what was going on when I was a kid, and, and I used to do things like that. I, I can't remember that well. Um, and, you know, I, I'm going on the best recollection I have, but it seemed like there were always something like a ticking time, ticking bomb. time bomb okay. going on. Or, it seems or the worse. most charitable interpretation of your behavior. Yeah. Uh, so, so we've it was sa- the sixties, man. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we've said all this about uh, the moral theory that Santa would be operating under, and um, what he would have to know in order to make these judgments accurately. So, let's say that that Santa is omniscient, at least with respect to the domain of um, what would allow him to judge the actions of. Children, mm-hmm. uh, we can ask what form that omniscience takes. Um, but if let's say that the um, his omniscience is such that he knows what children are going to do before they ever do it, mm-hmm. right? He knows he's aware of all the mitigating factors that are going to lead to certain kinds of action, and and then then there becomes a problem for free will. Right, right. right if, yeah. if Santa knows what we're going to do before we ever do it, mm-hmm. in what sense are we free? Because we could only do what Santa always knew we were going to do. Right. <laughs> I call it the problem of Yule foreknowledge. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, if, if we're not free, then it's not clear that we're morally responsible for our actions because we couldn't do otherwise. Right. So There's... Santa knew a week from, you know, in advance of Timmy doing that, that he's going right. to do it. Um, and yet, and yet somehow we think Timmy is deserving of coal. He's gonna get punished, right? even though he couldn't have done anything other than dip the braid and the mm-hmm. the oil or inkwell. Um, That's a weird, so, weird form of justice, right? Yeah, and and so um, we've been uh, we employ. It seems like Santa employs a retributive, a retributivist model of justice, a retributivist model of of punishment. Anyway, is a a model according to which. Um, a criminal should get what they deserve or a wrongdoer should get what they deserve. And typically in our day-to-day lives, we, we, at least when it comes to like 
criminally bad behavior. We don't treat children as what as as if what they're deserving of is retributivist justice, mm-hmm. right? When we put them, let's say a, a, a kid does something wrong and we put them in juvie. I my read, at least with respect to children, certainly not with respect to a, adults, where retributivist can be with adults. But the idea is supposed to be something like. Children are not fully formed moral agents. Mm-hmm. Our expectations of children shouldn't be as high as they are for adults. And when we put them, say, in institutions or we punish them, the goal should be rehabilitation. Right, right. Not retributivism. And so yeah, it maybe uh, seems... Combined with education, which I think is part of rehabilitation. Yeah, and this is, this is further complicated by the fact that we're talking about this in the context of um, omniscience, right? Mm-hmm. So... If omniscience raises issues for free will, we're now punishing people retributively for things that they could not have mm-hmm. avoided doing, right? Or right. punishing them for not doing things that they, they couldn't have done, right? Whatever the, right. the case may be. So, But you had a line uh, from the song that you think kind of saves Santa from this whole omniscience. Right. So the line is, he's going to find out who's naughty or nice, right? So um, going to find out seems to entail... He doesn't yet know, right? He, he can't be omniscient in this way if he has yet still to learn those facts. Yeah, I think that saves Santa from that whole general line of omniscience criticism. Right. So um, where does this leave us? Um, he's not omniscient, right? He knows an awful lot of stuff. Um, he may be violating our privacy in order to know that. Um, he's not a consequentialist. He's not a deontologist, but he does seem to be concerned with, with the kinds of persons that we are. So maybe Santa's a virtue theorist. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to just go out on a limb here, but has anyone ever actually seen pictures of Santa and Aristotle in the same location? Because <laughs> really, isn't, doesn't everything ultimately come from Aristotle? I, I think you've made a compelling case. Two, two sides of the same coin. We had the pleasure of interviewing some people this week, and we asked them, when did you find out that Santa Claus was real? We interviewed Maggie, Henry, Simon, and Christina. We're talking to Maggie. Maggie, how old were you when you found out that Santa Claus was real? I was six years old. Six. And, and tell us, how did, how did you find out? Well, I decided to stay up all night to find out if Santa was real. And I went downstairs to get a drink of water, and I saw a reindeer standing in the middle of my living room. Whoa. Um, How did it make you feel? Uh, I was really excited and a little bit surprised because I wasn't sure what to think. Nice. Thanks, Maggie. We're talking to Henry. Henry, how old were you when you first found out that Santa Claus was real? I was seven years old. Seven years old. Wow, that's, that's pretty young. Um, tell us about the circumstances. I heard some older kids talking about it in the hallways. Um, in the hallways at school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what did you think? How did it make you feel? I was very excited about it. Yeah. Pretty happy? Yeah. Nice. Thanks, Henry. Now we're talking to Simon. Simon, how old were you when you found out that Santa Claus was real? I was about three years old. Um, and before that point, I was pretty disbelieving, but everyone seemed to have a collective opinion that uh, he was definitely a thing, and so I just followed along. Um, 
Plus, it's great. He gives me presents every year. All right. So, so when you found that out, you you were pretty happy about it. I I was very happy. Awesome. Thank you, Simon. We're talking to Christina. Christina, how old were you when you found out Santa Claus was real? Man, I don't remember for sure. I was probably eight or nine. All right. So what happened? Well, there were some, I don't know where I got the ideas that, that, that he might that it might not be real like the whole santa thing just because it seemed so big and crazy i'm not really sure where those suspicions crept in but so i just went to my mom and said so is he real and and she just whirled around and said well what do you think and i said well yeah i think he is and she says, "Yep, you're right." Nice. And how did that how did that make you feel? Well, it made me feel uh, sort of I don't know, like like in an instant all my all my suspicions otherwise, all my worries and concerns just melted away. It was just like like yay, of course. <laughs> This week's listener musing comes from little Mikey Edwards. Mikey asks, Santa Claus is coming tonight, and I'm not sure what to do. So, what advice do we have for Mikey? It's uh, pretty simple, Mikey, right? Mikey, don't, don't stay up all night trying to catch Santa Claus. Perhaps put out some cookies. And go to bed early. Go to bed early. That's it. All right, well, that's a wrap. Episode 12 is in the can. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. We'll we'll see you back here next week. 